I'm John Brandian, professional comedian for more than 30 years. And I'm Amanda McKinney, John's daughter for more than 30 years. Our family believes laughing is a learned behavior, and we want to teach you how we do it. So welcome to the kitchen table of the comedian next door. I wondered which one of us was supposed to make the first sound. I can't even handle today. I let you make the first sound because you seem more in need of that. You seem more in need of an outlet I, than I am. Yeah. I just, I just was going on a little bit about how pretty much anything in the world would be preferable right now to continuing to homeschool my children. <laughs> anything. What about... Uh, indentured servitude for the next 30 years. Yeah. Better? It's it's really, it's the same thing. It's no choice between the two. At okay. this point, I'm convinced that I am going to be an indentured servant repeating Emery, finish this copywork paper for the next 30 years. That's really a choice between <laughs> indentured servanthood and more indentured servant. Well, the reason the reason that this is uh, relevant is because there are probably people listening who have were having a day themselves, whatever it is, whether they're Uh. homeschooling or whether they're uh, at the office or whether they're at the work site or whatever. There's probably people that are that are confronted with something that they don't want to do. But they're going to do it because it's the right thing to do. And that's what you're going to do. I just. You're going to continue to homeschool even though you don't want to because it's, it's good for the children in the long run. I can't. It's terrible. I cannot. I cannot recommend it the way that you would recommend, like, I don't know, a Burritos. cruise. <laughs> Burritos. <laughs> a cruise. Yeah. I. I just said I can't. I understand why people send their kids to public school because mm-hmm. at this point, a, a Marxist indoctrination camp is preferable to repeating myself one more time. Right. But you're, this is not the first time that you've understood why people send their kids to public school. You've empathized with that for quite a while. Yeah, right? but I think people think I'm kidding, though. I don't think that they realize how many times you're going to have to say, "Come back, sit down." Come back, sit down, put down the tablet, stop picking up your brother, st- turn the television off, come back, sit down. Come back, sit down. And this is why we're, I spent, how long, you were sitting here, how long do you think that was when I was trying to get her to read the word R-E-D and then B-E-G? Oh, it's been, uh, it was 10 minutes it was at so, least. <laughs> solid 10 minutes. 10 minutes to get to cover those three letters in a word. Uh, B-E-G was pronounced D, which mm-hmm. I expected. I felt I, I knew that was coming because it's a lowercase. Right. B and D is hard. So you're, you're starting to anticipate where the problems yeah. are yeah. because you've been doing this. Yep. Here we go. So she's about to say D, and she did. And she did. And I said, no, no, you add the extra bump up on top, and it'll be a big B, so you know that's a little B. Mm-hmm. And so B, she keeps saying I instead of E, eh, eh. and we yep. were working on that. And then she gets annoyed with me when I correct her. Right. Mom! Stop saying it weird like that. Well, <laughs> Stop saying it correctly. Well, kindergartner, if you pronounce that word, d-i-j, you're not going to get the word. It's beg. It's beg. Yeah. Um, 
So anyway, that was, I was just saying, you know, I was just marveling because like something like 60% of the students graduating from public school are completely illiterate. Mm -hmm. And this is why, because the job of training them how to read is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) And I only have one kid currently in kindergarten. Well, the reason that, the reason that we're talking about that is because this is this is supposed to actually encourage some people. Your discouragement and your frustration is going to be encouraging to other people. Is that why we're talking about it? That's why. I, yeah, that's why we're talking about it. Oh, okay. You didn't even know. No, I was just complaining. You were just venting. Yeah. Right. Well, and here's the the, the purpose is the 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 blessing on the other side of that is you're encouraging other people who are banging their heads against the wall, particularly homeschoolers if we've got homeschooling moms and dads who are smacking their heads against the wall going this isn't working i'm not cut out for this we're not making any progress we're not doing this can't be the way to do it yes that's the way to do it right and if you're not currently banging your head against the wall just wait a day or two or three Right. If you're not banging your head against the wall, there's a possibility that you're not doing it correctly. <laughs> you're probably doing what the public school is <laughs> right. doing. It's probably <laughs> letting your kids stare out the window and not actually teaching them anything. Right. Yeah. If you are not endlessly frustrated by your homeschooling process, you're probably not doing it's it correctly. <laughs> That's not yeah. how it's done. You're, it's uh, it's not supposed to be that easy and comfortable. Uh, yeah, that's that's going to sound like. Again, you're trying to encourage people right now. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm encouraging people that, but this is this is what this uh, this podcast is all about. The theme that runs through this podcast is that there is joy and laughter in suffering. Right, and uh, I I can attest to that today. Being out here, you haven't seen it, but you haven't had the perspective that I've had on what's going on here, and it's been. It's been a delight for me watching you Great. watching you try to try to get these kids to do the simplest tasks. I made burritos today because did, uh, they were delicious. I was trying to teach my kids how to read the calendar and they read it so well they said, What's International Burrito Day? <laughs> you were like, Dang it. Can we have burritos for lunch? So that's the downside of to course we can effectively homeschooling your children is eventually they will learn how to read and then that will create more work for you. Yeah. Speaking on of work. National Burrito Day. You yeah. have to get off the table. Every you're like bumping the table because you're I sitting hear on that. it. I know. I could hear it too. The sound that you hear is... is Get off of the table, is, Emmy. Is Emmy. Okay. Now we have to pause. Now she's doing that. Okay. So the Peaches is back now. She put Emmy to bed. And here's what I want to emphasize. That uh, most of our time that we spend... Uh, during the day is spent doing mundane, ordinary things that are unremarkable or borderline frustrating. And uh, that's life. And my mom used to say, whenever I would come in and complain about being bored or upset about something, I would say, I wish this day was over. I wish this day was over. Or if I was anticipating another event in the future, I wish it was I wish it was next week because I'm going to go to camp or it's Christmas or whatever. I wish it was Christmas already. Mom would say, you're wishing your life away. You are wishing your life away. And I didn't understand what she was saying when I was a kid because I was a kid. But I think that there's wisdom in that, that we are, that we're, we're living our lives right now. We're, we're in the uh, middle of a burrito mess and the kids are, are running around and they're not doing their schoolwork and all of that. But uh, but this is this is our life. This is our life right now, and so you shouldn't wish it away, Peach. You should be happy that you have it. 
Mm-hmm. Is this the good grief segment? Is that what this is? No, I'm not the producer of this show. Well, I didn't know if you had something else or if we were just going to use my grief for the good grief segment. Do you have something else? We could do. We could use yours. Uh, yeah, I do have something else. But uh, again, I'm not the producer of this show, so you're. It's not my job to figure out how this is going to go together. No, it's I'm yours. saying this is. That's what we're going to do now. But. You're the one who is in charge of what actual content goes into that segment. Oh, okay. Good grief. (gasps) All right, good grief. This is a segment where we take uh, problems that have been submitted by listeners, or in this case, our own producer, and we find out what's funny about them. We locate the humor in the suffering. What's funny about a sinful, disobedient five-year-old, I ask you? Well, what's, what's funny about it is that the, uh, the perspective that we have that doing the right thing is supposed to be easy and enjoyable. And that is something that is sort of internalized. We don't even realize that we've internalized it. But it is a good and noble thing to educate our children. Therefore, it should be something that brings us uh, contentment, happiness, and a sense of accomplishment while we're doing it. But that doesn't seem to be the case, does it? (laughs) Ironically, while we're in the midst of doing things that are important that we do them, we, uh, we, we kind of think that life sucks while we're doing those things are we wrong where we are wrong and by we i mean you and uh there's it while it's understandable that it's frustrating and it's understandable that you are uh, would rather be doing something else it's understandable that you would rather have the children doing what there's what's ultimately for their benefit but there's a grand irony in that and i think that it's it's funny that the kids are fighting you about learning how to read and write, which is something that they're going to use for their own benefit for the rest of their lives. But they don't know that. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're fighting you while you try to give them uh, superpowers. How can you call yourself a Christian <laughs> when you are making light of something like depravity and, and sin. Yeah, and, and bucking authority and um, rebelliousness. That's the word I'm looking for. How can you call yourself a Christian when you are laughing, enjoying uh, rebelliousness? Well, again, uh, actually not again, because I haven't mentioned it this podcast, but I'm not making fun and I'm not uh, making light of the sin itself. Comedy is about perspective it's about perspective. So I'm looking at it from, from your perspective, uh, not the, not God's perspective, which is that these children are rebelling and they are and they are sinning against their parents. They are not honoring their mother when they do not do uh, what you ask them to do. But the irony is, from your perspective, that you are, you are the good person here. You're the person who's who is doing. You are sacrificing your time and energy in order to enrich their lives. And they are fighting you while doing it. So that's not a celebration of the sin. It's, it is actually sort of a mocking of the childish perspective that is going to hold their breath and kick their feet and fight you while you try to uh, make their lives better. 
Does that make sense? So I'm not. I'm Wait, not. Are you asking me, or are you asking my Karen persona that I'm trying to adopt? <laughs> why? Why are you doing? Are you trying to make it difficult on me? Is that? Is that? I'm trying to your be, role on this now. Yeah, I'm trying to be Carl's voice or anybody who's listening who is a good Christian, mm-hmm. unlike you, mm-hmm. who is going right. to have some qualms about uh, about laughing in the in the face of something is serious, and you even admitted it's serious mm-hmm. and important like educating our children. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think that education is something, something to be taken so lightly. It should be laughed at. So it lightly. should be taken lightly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, it's not, but that's the reason that you're still doing it. So under underneath all of it, the, the humor is not the fact that the, the kids are fighting you. The humor is not in the rebellion, but the, the, the humor is the fact that the rebellion is actually working against the children's best interest. And that's called, it's called irony. And it's the fodder for humor. You've got uh, kids rebelling against their mother's attempts to educate them, which is going to do nothing except serve them well in the future. And that's sort of true of all rebellion. You know, for the, for not, not, not all rebellion, but a lot of rebellion where we, we fight against people who are, uh, trying to to incorporate something that's going to help us, and we uh, we kick against it. Speed limits, for example, speed limits are set in place so that there is uh, less chaos and tragedy on the interstates. But we rebel against that. We have little radar detectors that we put in our car so that if somebody attempts to point a radar gun at us and catch us in our rebellion. We, uh, we are made aware of it so that we can slow down and pretend like we're not rebelling when we pass the police car. But all, it's the same thing. The, when, you, when you fight against the, uh, the authority that is put in place for your own good, then it's funny. But it's not funny from, uh, it's not funny from your perspective, but it's funny from the kids' perspective but they are so busy being rebellious that they don't see it. That's why I'm here. Okay. So that ought to just fix everybody who <laughs> everybody who's tuning in no, and they have kids. No, 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 no. Like as we said earlier, these are the sort of things that you have to repeat over and over and over again. It's going to take more than one mention well, hoping, of this before it sinks in and becomes internalized. I was hoping that you would have a, an example of specifically you know, something that, that was funny. I, I thought maybe you would, I thought maybe you would point back to me joking with exaggeration that I would rather send my kids to an internment <laughs> camp than continue doing this. Because something you told me once was that if you start to feel sorry for yourself, one thing you should do is look in the mirror and, and see if you can say, I am the person who is suffering most in the entire world. <laughs> Without cracking a smile. I didn't say that because I'd forgotten that I'd said that. But yes, that used to be one of the techniques that I would use. To try to put it in perspective. Like right. how how can you actually get to the point where you are going to relax a little bit instead of feeling like the entire weight of the entire world is on your shoulders? And taking yourself too seriously is always funny. And one thing that a, that a mother or a teacher or, you know, somebody who's feeling like, like they just want to give up and they can't go on. They're taking themselves too seriously. If you've got a five-year-old sitting on the table and that ruins your whole day, 
you right. know, then it does ruin your podcast, but it doesn't have to ruin your whole day. <laughs> Did it ruin the podcast? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, that's, that's an issue of perspective. And if you're going, how can you laugh? Uh, you know, as a good Christian, how can you laugh when something is this serious? You would normally say right. that the more serious it is, the more important it is right. to laugh. And, and it's counterintuitive to most people to laugh when things get more serious there's a there's a line that most people have where okay it's the threshold it's the humor threshold and once things get to be dire or serious or sad then they go all right we're we're past the humor threshold now there's nothing funny here anymore and that is not necessarily true there's always something funny going on even in the worst tragedies and that's what this good grief segment is about is trying to find that humor again even though the humor doesn't necessarily connect directly to the tragedy itself and that's important to remember that right. we're not we're not laughing at the tragedy well, it's we're about laughing at something that is it's about maintaining your joy regardless i mean i tell my sisters all the time who also have young children I am not trying to get you to the point where you are laughing at sinfulness because it isn't funny. Correct. But I do want you to get to the point where you're not dependent on your children always obeying you to be okay. If you're not going to be okay emotionally and spiritually without total control over your, you know, rabid, feral children. Right. <laughs> then No, that's a good point. Then you're going to not be okay ever. You're, that's a good point. Not, and if you lose your joy because you're having a day or a week, or a month, or even if a whole school year where you just feel like you're not getting through to them, well, that's on you. It's on you to still find a way to be okay and be joyful regardless. I think it's. I think another thing that's funny is that you kind of shamed me a little bit for not being encouraging, but even the way I said it was way more encouraging than what you just said. Was it? Yeah, I, you're much more accusatory than I am. Oh uh, No, but I'm trying to give practical advice. Like, I just know. saying well, <laughs> you should feel better isn't whatever. necessarily going to give them anywhere to go. I'm shaming people into feeling better. You, This is on you. Well, that does sort of open the door for this uh, letter that we Wait received. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I have to close out that segment. But it's, it's still part of the... It's still part of the Good Grief segment. Okay, well then carry on. You can read your letter while the clown music plays. <laughs> but, but that makes it sound like like we're sw- switching segments. And How? Because did you just end the Good Grief segment? We're, we're eventually going to have to figure out how our <laughs> podcast works if I we're going to continue to do it. I thought that was going to be a part of... What does that have to do with good grief? He specifically said it was for the hill to die on segment. Well, but but that I don't agree that it belongs on the hill to die on. Because okay. um well, go ahead then. Because I think that this is a thing that it's causing I think this is a point pain a pain a pain point a pain <laughs> pain point for people. A people I think this is a people pain point people oh my goodness. Pain people pain point. <laughs> Here's the letter. I've been a faithful listener to the Comedy Sojourn, which is what this used to be, mm-hmm. for the past year or so. Uh, I just finished listening to the episode titled The Reboot. Um, two which questions. Was last episode, two questions. Two questions. Will he be able to find the comedian next door on Spotify? Yes. Uh, yes. But the thing is, I do, we haven't even talked about this yet, Carl, but I do think that I want to create a separate anchor slash Spotify account for this instead of, because the whole thing was having so many episodes in one slush pile. And I think it makes the most sense to have 
a separate. You can continue uploading the Daily Deuce to the Comedy Sojourn mm-hmm. account if you'd mm-hmm. like. But I do think Thanks. that the comedian next door needs its own. It has its own icon and like its own logo, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you can just change that in the middle of the season. Well, you can. All right, so we'll, yes, it will be available, it will on, Spotify be available to, on Spotify, Spotify to answer that question Either and way. to answer several other questions that you didn't ask. Well, okay, but tell us, Carl, don't you think that it's the right choice to put the comedian next door on its own account? Say yes. Okay. But you're, we're still <laughs> going to talk to Carl as if we're not going to abandon Carl to the to the comedy sojourn? No, Carl is coming with us. We should have talked about this before we started this segment. All right, and the second question is, um, you said in the episode that people shouldn't apologize for laughing at something funny. Do you believe that our sinful nature can affect what amuses us? If so, and assuming that laughing because of sinful motivation would be wrong, how can we tell if we find something funny for the right reasons? This is actually a great question. I know. That was my thought. I almost responded when we got it and was just like, hey, this is a great question. But I figured that we would talk about it here. Yeah. No, it's a fantastic question. And so rephrase it. The well, he's asking if because we are basically he's asking if our sense of humor is trustworthy because we are sinful creatures. Right, because we do say that like other impulses are disordered mm-hmm. now. Like you can't just be like I was born this way, so you know, I'm attracted to members of the same sex. Correct. Or I was born in the wrong body. Or I was I was born this way, I'm attracted to all sorts of people who are not my my spouse. Right. Well, and we feel like we're hungrier than we are when we're tempted toward gluttony. Right. We feel like drinking more than we ought to when we're tempted toward drunkenness. So there's a lot of feelings that are not right. holy on their own <laughs> because of the fallen nature of the world and right. our sinful flesh. Yes, it's a great question. Yeah. And it's um, difficult to answer. <laughs> so let's move on. Uh, I'm going to answer it. This way, I'm going to say yes that our our sinfulness does warp our sense of humor um, because it warps it warps all the other aspects of our thinking. We are constantly having to ask ourselves, okay, is this thing that I am thinking or feeling is this coming from the spirit of God or is this me that's getting in the way? And if it's me then there's a problem because it's probably wrong if it's me. Now, that being said, I think that we tend to to have a one-sided uh, way of answering that question. I think we, we answer it from the standpoint of, I'm laughing at something inappropriate, and that is sinful. And I don't think we ever spend any time thinking about times when there's something that is legitimately funny and righteously funny and we don't laugh at that. Right. You know, and we don't, I think that because both of those things. that would be disordered too. Right. Our judgment when it came to what is or isn't appropriate to laugh at would also, they would both be things that we shouldn't trust. You can't just trust your impulse like that's obviously funny, but you also can't trust your impulse that says, that's not funny. Correct. Right. You can't and, trust either of them. But when, but particularly when we're talking to Christian people, the Christian people are quick to to jump on, that was inappropriate, you shouldn't have laughed, this is no time for joking. But you'll never hear a Christian shame you, except for me, you'll never hear a Christian shame you for not laughing at a particular thing. We're, it's, it's always okay to be completely serious right. and not laugh. 
So going back to the analogy that I, I talked about gluttony just a minute or two ago and said that, you know, we can't trust our impulses when we want to eat more than we should. Mm-hmm. But there's also a thing, a disorder where people don't eat enough. Right. Because they don't think that they are, they think right. that they're too fat or whatever. Correct. And so what this person is asking when Carl wrote in, his question is essentially, how do I know when I've not eaten too much and also am eating enough Mm -hmm. when it comes to humor? Well, and the reason that that question is so difficult to answer is because he's, it's basically, it's basically that age old question. How do I know when I'm doing God's will? Right. (laughs) Just, just specified to, uh, to comedy. And so I don't have a, a, a clear-cut answer for it other than to say, well, we're supposed to be tuned into the Spirit. That That's what it is to be a believer, a, a Christian. You turn your life over to God and you say, help me be more like Christ. Right. And it's a lifelong process. And eventually, um, over over time and with prayer and reading the Scripture and, and tuning in to the things of God, you sort of start to know you start you start to kind of get a feel for um where the lines are and what is what is appropriate and what's inappropriate and that being said i also think it it comes down to attitude and i i do think that we know what our attitude is when we are when we're laughing when we are when we are finding something funny we know if we are doing it um because we're getting some sort of pleasure out of somebody else suffering, we are we're feeling vindicated because an enemy of ours is getting their comeuppance, um, and, and that's bad. Uh, and <laughs> I don't think that's of God. I don't think that God wants us to laugh when other people are are hurting because they're hurting and because we don't like those people, but. By the same token, and this is the other side of that coin, when uh, when somebody falls down, or when children when children do things that that cause them to, uh, we've all seen children fall down. You know, they're to, to learn how to walk. They're toddling around, and they biff into, you know, they biff into a piece of furniture, or they just fall down, or whatever. Theoretically. You know they could they could get hurt. They bump their heads. They bump their knees, and we and we laugh because because it's funny to watch those little people tumble around. Well, I'm gonna. I feel like you are setting yourself up for contradicting in future episodes because I know for sure we've had conversations about how justice That's is built true. into our consciences and um, our consciousness, and that God actually does want that God Himself has a sense of satisfaction when. When he, evil he is exposed at the wicked. and laugh, yeah, there's there's right. a sense of laughing at wickedness when we encounter it, and so that's only going to confuse people who are like, "Where's that line?" Further, but one thing that you've said to both Tabby and I before is just asking that question is a big portion of the battle. Being on the right track because it's it's right. God's grace in your life that you're even trying to please Him, like the fact that He's even convicting you about the fact that there is a line. And that you are eager to figure out where that line is, that that is a, a sign of God working in your life and the Holy Spirit's presence in your life, and that if you just stay on that track, it's a good way to go. That's true. And so it can feel it can feel a little bit helpful and um, help put you more at ease. I think if you're a person who tends toward anxiousness about, you know, is God going to smite me? 
right now because right. I'm I'm doing something. How do I know if I'm doing it for the right reasons or I'm not? Right. And, just just having that be a concern of yours, just having that be a genuine concern, means that I, I think that God is working on your on your heart and on your attitude because there are people who are lost don't care. They don't care whether or not it's appropriate, and they don't they don't monitor their uh, sense of humor to make sure that they are laughing for pure motives. And yeah, but so. but good question, Carl. It was a good question. Good and question. Keep keep them coming and keep more questions coming. We got to move along. We've been we spent way too much time on that. This Again, is, I'm not the producer. Too much fun. Too much. <laughs> too much good information and content. We have got to keep going. Yeah, we don't have time for this. Uh. Peaches in a whirl. Sorry, I got to do that again. (laughs) Peaches in a whirl. Okay, this is my part of the show. And it's not going to take me very long. Are you going to announce it? Or do you tell them what it is? uh, This is when I basically take over and say whatever I want to (laughs) say. Good grief is yours. Peaches in a whirl is mine. So how's it different if you're if you're taking over? How's that different from you're the, the rest of the podcast? You're keeps trying to make me responsible for good grief. Okay. I deferred to you, and you were like, "I don't know. I'm not the producer." And I explained that that is your that's your segment that you're supposed to come up with something to talk about with. So this is Whatever. mine. And what I came up with was at the end of the last episode, the reboot. Um, you mentioned that we're out on Gab, and I thought to myself, while that is true, I wish that we had had the time to kind of issue a disclaimer, just quickly before we stopped recording. And so I wrote something actually and then posted it on Gab and mm-hmm. on MeWe that was just basically saying, yes, the rumors are true. Gab is a, a pit of, you know, evil racism and sexism. I mean, it's really... Right, and you're not saying that ironically. That no. That's genuinely... <laughs> that's really serious. You're not kidding about that. It's a, it's a yeah. den of, of horrible... Uh, iniquity. Yeah. I said, fair warning, the rumors are true. Mm-hmm. The rumors about Parler and Gab are true. And I don't, I'm not on other alternative media sites that like are proud of their free speech platform, yeah. but I'm assuming it's probably the same there too. Yep. Um, there are sexist and racist comments all over. And regardless of whether those are fake accounts or actual people who are just trolling to try to get a rise out of people, or if they really are, or if they really are depraved, hateful. Yeah. hateful it, I mean, demonically controlled. Ultimately, it doesn't really matter because it is true. The rumors are true that there are shocking, godless. There are unchristian things on Gab. Lots of them. Right. Lots of them. Um, and so, I just wanted to make make that clear for Carl. If you follow us over there, if you decide to make your own account and you decide to join our tribe on Gab, and you should, you should. Um, but you got to be prepared for that, and you got to be thick skinned. And I said, you know, I'm I'm saying all of that as a preface before I share the fact that yes, I am on Gab. I still have a Parlor account too, mm-hmm. um, and I'm inviting fellow thick skinned Christians to join me because I do think that free speech is important. I think it's better to know um, that there's a person who hates you, you know, on the other side of that computer screen, rather than what they're trying to do on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube, where they're just covering it up or making it impossible for a person to say what they really think. Right. They're just homogenizing everything on those platforms to make it seem like, to make it seem like you're all by yourself and that the entire world believes one way. Right. Right. And so, and more to the point, this is the thing that had me in a whirl earlier. And my husband, Luke, the podcast ninja, the podcast ninja, who's not here right now, he's not here. It'd be really interesting if he popped into the podcast now. Mm. It would be the most ninja thing he's ever done (laughs) because he's not even home. He's he's at work. (laughs) (laughs) 
All of a sudden he poops. That'd be pretty freaky, yeah. actually. Definitely live up to his name. But um, but I, what I told him and what I ultimately ended up sharing on Gab itself was I understand how unpleasant it is for Christians to have to share a space with some of the most vile, you know, immoral characters on the planet. But at the same time, I can't help thinking about how often we say things like, well, we need to go out and spread the light and live among sinners and be in the world and not of it. And specifically, people on the left, you know, liberals, progressives, whatever you want to call them, they're constantly pointing out that Jesus ate with sinners. And they do it when they're trying to brag about the fact that they've got gay friends. Right. Right? They're always like, well, that's so pharisaical of you to not want to meet with the sinners. And yet then they find out about the racism and the sexism on Gab, and they want to blow the whole site off the internet. Right. Well, and that is a fair point. Yeah. If if we're going to talk about inclusiveness and uh, and tolerance, it is... It is highly exclusive and extremely intolerant for Christian people to say, I'm not going to participate on that platform because those dirty people are on this platform saying things that I don't right. uh, I don't agree with. They're saying unholy things, right. and therefore I'm not going to associate with them. That well, is, the fact is you get more cultural points for you know going alongside and doing life with um, drug addicts and... Um, homosexuals and, and transgender homosexual. people yeah. and but you do not get the same credit as a good being a good christian who walked the walk that jesus walked when you have an account on gab right you don't have the same right. it doesn't it doesn't get you the same points right we're supposed to eat with sinners but not those sinners right not those right-wing freaky so, trump supporters so they're always saying you know that Jesus wasn't welcome in the religious leaders' homes, and so he had to go and eat with tax collectors and prostitutes instead because they were willing to have him. And it's been my experience that I am welcome on Gab. Um, uh, you know, the sinners Pretty on much. Gab are more welcoming than um, the sinners on Facebook and Twitter have been thus far, and that could change in the future. But I'm just saying, if you're going to go to Gab, to Parlor, to other alt alt media, this is your warning. Um, you're going to find sinners there. And uh, the only difference is that their sins happen to be considered more heinous than abortion and homosexuality. And so their sins aren't as protected and promoted um, as they are on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and others. Um, so yeah, that's a good point. I'm saying that like sexual rebels have found their safety on, on big tech social media like Facebook and Twitter, um, while the racist rebels have absolutely found their protection on alternative media that's that's the case right and um wagging our finger at them and trying to shut down that whole thing isn't the answer in my opinion what we need are christians who know how to use their same freedom of speech to speak the word of god and the truth um and spread the light and so that's why i'm there i'm there because i do believe in free speech i think that shutting down and censoring is not actually going to make the heart problem Go away. In, including shutting down ungodly speech. Right. Including, including shutting the down speech, speech that we don't agree with, yeah. that we uh, that we would all agree, we Christians would all agree is unholy right. and unrighteous. Right. We don't want to shut that down either. No. And it's it's when you say you're in favor of free speech, you have to be prepared for the fact that there are going to be some people who are going to say things that you disagree with. Right. And we, people give lip service to that, I think, in the church. Church people give lip service to that, but they don't really internalize what it means to be part of a free speech environment. Right. They, they kind of think, yeah, everybody's going to pretty much say what I right. am well, okay with. And what we're trying to do here with this podcast is teach you how to be strong enough to go into that environment without letting it 
just destroy your faith and destroy your, your, you know, ability to fight in the culture war? Like, how can you go in that place where people are basically marinating in depravity Mm -hmm. and still be okay? And to me, people are marinating in depravity on Facebook and Twitter too. We've just gotten accustomed to it. There's a bunch of Christians who used to say that they were there to be a light and now they've adapted and they actually don't think that it's as sinful they're used to that sin right. to it's, the it, point that they're okay with it now. Your point is valid. There yeah. are people who are st- Christian people who are still on Facebook who are coming alongside the gay people mm-hmm. and, and loving them, but they have absolutely no patience for all the people on Gab who are talking about how the election was stolen. Right. And it's those, those are the people that are the hypocrites. Those right. are can, the people who are not doing. We will stand up and say, you know, it's not our place to speak against somebody's truth it's their truth or it's their experience and we just need it's not our job to convict them we're not going to change their minds right. on social media is that then, true for the gun grabber right. in the midwest <laughs> the you anti-vaxxers yeah. and the people who are pretty sure that um what is it the the vaccine is actually literally going to change your dna and oh right. there's all sorts of stuff you're going to find people who people who don't want to wear a mask on the airplane anymore do you have the same love for those people as you right. do for the gay people right or are that's... you going to try to change their minds by uh, right. <laughs> posting on social media but that's all i have <laughs> that's that's what i've got for today a, a small warning and an observation about the hypocrisy of today's religious pharisees which happen to be the woke crowd much of the time you know Woke Christians. Woke Christians. Right. Uh, thanks for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> we now have you to, don't know which button to push, We have to you? move. Hold on. Let's see. Here, here. Do you have something for this? John Brain, you till to die on. This is the segment where I uh, plant a flag. I draw a line in the sand and I say, this is what I believe. And if you ask me if I'm willing to stand up and support that, I will say, Yes, I will die on this hill if you're willing to kill me on it. And uh, today's today's hill to die on is uh, basically just a summary of what we've already talked about. And that is that we um, have a responsibility in the church to be not only um, beacons of... of uh, the, the truth, not not just to shine a light and, and to tell the truth, but we also are supposed to sort of demonstrate to the rest of the world how they should live. And today's hill to die on is I don't think it's possible for us to be representing Christ correctly if we take everything that we do uh, with uh, seriously, if we take absolutely everything we do um Seriously, and we don't see any of the humor in what we do. Every ministry that we establish is super important. It is super important <laughs> that we go out and we and we feed these children and we reach out to the gay people and we visit folks in the whatever and we on and on and on. We all of the ministries that we do in the name of Jesus and I'm not saying that they're not important, but I'm saying that our attitude about them when they are completely devoid of mirth and when we can't put our tongue in our cheek and notice the goofiness that's prevalent in every one of our ministries, if we, if we have elevated our ministry above Christ himself to where now we don't see anything that's funny in them, then uh, we're doing it wrong. I think that there needs to be a sort of a... a uh, 
we used to get phone calls. We still get phone calls from people who would would lead into the conversation with a little history of all of their ministry. Well, we've been in ministry. We've been involved for 10 years, and we do uh, inner-city youth uh, programs. And a lot of kids are hooked on drugs, and their home lives are terrible, and they've uh, flirted with uh, the law, and uh, they've been in and out of various foster homes. And, and they'll go on and on and on about how important this ministry is uh, to you know, to their culture, to their city. And we want to have John come in and do a show for us and uh, raise money for this important ministry. I was like, great. So what's your budget? Well, we don't really have a budget. We're not going to, we're not going to pay anything, but it's a, it's an important ministry. And we think that, that John would want to be involved in this and help out. And what I hear when, when somebody makes a phone call like that is we appreciate what you do, John, we think that your ministry is uh, is, is going to help our ministry, but we don't think enough of our own ministry to actually pony up any cash for this event that we're that we're throwing. And that, to me, is funny. I mean, if you if you have if your ministry is important, then your ministry should be able to uh, to help me do my ministry. And. But when I've suggested that to some people um, in the past, they don't they don't really appreciate my point of view because the the thing that you're supposed to do when you're helping a ministry is you're supposed to do everything for free. That, that's that's the way that Christian ministry operates. Is well, everything is on a volunteer basis. I heard you saying you shouldn't take yourself too seriously. Mm-hmm. And I was tracking with that, and I think that I think it's actually idolatry. Um, when a person starts to view what their role is on earth as this very, very serious thing, because God is holy, you know, God will not be mocked, but your little attempt to help God straighten out the universe, you know, that can be mocked. And, And there comes a point where instead of coming at a thing with humility and open hands, like, you know, Lord, I'm just... I am just clay in your hands and I'm this created being and I don't really have much, but whatever I do have, for whatever reason, if you want it, it's yours. There's there's that humility, but there's a point where it crosses into, I have to do this because if I don't do this, what's God going to do? Right. What's God, God, what's yeah. God going to do without me? Yeah. And there's that attitude. I don't want to disappoint the creator of the universe. Well, specifically, if you're laughing at me, in, then you are you are disappointing the creator of the universe, right. which is basically who I am, right? Me and my ministry over here are are doing really big stuff, big 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 stuff, right? And so, yeah, it can be it can be hard for a person to hear that. But if it is hard for you to hear that God doesn't need you in your ministry, then you probably then you're the one that needs to hear it. You have an inflated ego, you have an inflated sense of importance, and you haven't really wrapped your mind around what it means uh, when God says, "I don't need." People, I don't need you to to keep the earth spinning and um, all the things he told Job, you know, sarcastically right. in the book of Job. Right, and that is not to say that God does not uh, appreciate our efforts to be righteous. That doesn't. I'm, I'm not saying that you shouldn't do good things. Right, and I'm not saying that they don't have an impact. Don't have an ego about it. I'm I'm saying that uh, that we need to be like children, and I believe it was Jesus who said that first. But but a, ch- a child, when a child helps out around the house, <laughs> you know how that goes, right? right? You appreciate 
their efforts. You appreciate the attitude that right. they're going about, particularly if they're doing it with enthusiasm. If a right. child is helping out, but but what they're actually accomplishing, I mean, the the value of the service that they're offering is of minimal. It, it's a minimal value until they get to be where they're a little more competent um, and grown up. And I think that's the way our ministry is with God. I think he he looks at us like a heavenly father, and he's amused and he's appreciative, but. Rather than with a furrowed brow and a solemn nod of his head, I think it's more likely that God kind of giggles right. uh, at our ministry. Giggles in delight at your at your jolly attempts to clean the house mm-hmm. with your little pretend with your little vacuum. plastic vacuum cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> right, and that's our ministry. Our ministry right. is a plastic vacuum cleaner yeah. that we're running over the carpet, and mm-hmm. it's a good thing. And it, it's good for us in many ways. It makes it makes us happy to be able to serve God. And so in, in many ways, I think God gives us ministries for our own benefit. Mm-hmm. And then if somebody else benefits as a result of that, all the, all the better. But the point is that we're supposed to uh, not take it completely seriously. Right. Laugh about it. Yeah. It's all just macaroni necklaces and... Everything's a macaroni paint necklace. By no, and a, paint and by a, number. And a plastic vacuum. And I like plastic. the plastic vacuum. Yeah. Picture. Yep. Oh, yeah. Maybe blows bubbles. All right. Well, um, I guess that's it for your hill to die on, right? If you say so. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I set you up. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I guess uh, you, I guess that's it. Uh, you can find us on MeWe and Gab. You can find us on MeWe and Gab. You can find us at johnbrandy.com. You need to come with us on Vacay with the Comics. Mm-hmm. We're all going to get together and uh and go camping this august and you should definitely check that out carl it's going to be a party yep and that's all that's it okay that's it see you next week bye carl